it sounds so giants under the sun. Absolutely. Hey everybody, how's it going? Dan Schinder here. And Steven Schinder here. On Yes Shift with, yeah. uh, I would call this a special episode, celebrating a very special album that's having a very special milestone of 50 years. I cannot believe the Tales from Topographic Oceans is 50 years old. That's bizarre. Yeah, it's it's wild, and it doesn't sound old, really. I, I remember I've told a story about how several years ago I played it to a friend, and he thought it sounded like it was from, like I told him to guess when it's from, and he was like, oh, like 2002, and it, he was like blown away when I told him. He probably him also thought you slipped from. him some acid or something. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've always said for decades, I have said it's ahead of its time musically, but let's talk about some context, folks, context of when this came out. So January of 1973, Deep Purple released Who Do We Think We Are? And some stranger named Rick Wakeman released, released Six Wives of Henry VIII. March of 73 saw the release of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon, which did pretty well and Led Zeppelin's Houses of the Holy, which also did pretty well, and King Crimson's Locked Tongues in Aspic. And early in that month, King Crimson's Jamie Muir gave John Anderson a copy of, we all know this story, the autobiography of a yogi at Bill Bruford's wedding. A few days later, in a flight from London to Tokyo, John Anderson and Roger Dean discussed the book, The View Over Atlantis. While in Tokyo, John gravitated toward... Uh, footnote 83, an autobiography of a yogi. These Japan shows would also be the last Yes shows in Japan until 1988, and Steve Howe's last performances in Japan until he returned with Asia in 1983. At yeah. Asia and Asia Live at Budokan. Yeah, and before we continue the context, just want to go on a little brief um, tangent about that. So something that we found out like really last minute um because there wasn't like a whole lot of promotion for this was that yesterday was the 40th anniversary of asia in asia that's crazy and, 40 years yeah and so they were doing this stream on twitch of all places i don't know if there was like a rights thing or what but for those who don't know twitch is usually used for people to play video games and stream themselves playing video games yeah, gaming but, yeah yeah but sometimes there are people who stream like other things but yeah like there was this stream and they aired this documentary that i guess aired back in the day called the road to budokan which i don't think is on this uh blu-ray box set that i have of asia in asia so they i caught some of that um the steve howe interview apparently i saw in the comments that they kind of asked the same questions to the other members, but um, yeah, I saw the Steve Howe part and then a bit of like, it showed them on the road and rehearsing and then they showed the concert. So um, it was, once I got comfy, you know, it was a busy day yesterday, but once I got comfy, I was like able to just relax and enjoy that stream. But yeah, it was kind of bizarre that there wasn't a whole lot of promotion for this thing yeah um i watched it up until shortly after the steve howe interview and what's weird is you can't see a progress bar or a timer you have no idea how long it is or anything like that um so i'm 
curious to watch it. I think I remember some of it. I remember yeah, Carl and talking we talked about, about the Greg. box set a while ago and did like a little unboxing. Yeah, yeah. I remember Carl talking about Greg, and they were in a all in a restaurant drinking beers, and that might be from what you found. And I'll have to watch the whole thing to see. Yeah, I will. Oh. I, I don't know if it'll be. Wait, Doug says no audio coming through. Wait, what? Hang on. Oh, he says now there is. Okay. Huh. Yeah, because I saw the captions for it. So. Okay. Um, Weird. Yeah. So. Who? I don't know. Maybe me, just. Doug. <laughs> maybe there was just a little delay in the audio like, the kicking adjust- in. Okay. So but, let's um, start over. Let me get the music. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, also. Um, it was a reminder that um today is actually the seventh anniversary of Greg Lake's passing. So Oh wow. Yeah, so you know, it doesn't seem that long ago, but I'm glad that, you know, this stream I guess is also partially a celebration of Greg himself. And you know, there's also that Greg Lake magical box set recently. So right. and later, great to remember these great I'm guys. gonna just say it now because yeah, I didn't go realize ahead. yeah, it was Greg's anniversary of his passing, but um, at what time? Four <laughs> uh, thirty Pacific. Uh, yeah, yeah, four thirty Pacific U.S. time. I'm going to um, be doing a Drum Talk TV live stream where I'm going to play some excerpts of Tales from Topographic Oceans and another fifty year old album, Brain Salad Surgery. So I'll have to mention Greg when we do that. I'll be playing. Uh, I, I might as well just say it. I'll be playing most of First Impression, parts one and two. It cuts off like right after the drum solo, so I'll play up to the drum solo. And then I'm going to play the tail end of Second Impression and probably yeah. all Carnival of the Third Nine. Impression. Yeah, excited yeah. about that. I love that music. So uh, two awesome 50-year-old albums, but you got more in the area yeah. of context. Well, almost 40, but yeah. No, 40, um, yeah. Yeah, but continuing the context, so back in 1973, in May, some little band called Yes released uh, something called Yes Songs. Uh, I guess they felt they needed to put their band name in the title. Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> the, the debut of Alan White. Yeah, and uh, of yeah, and according to Forgotten Yesterdays, you know, a great online source for when Yes gigs happened and whatnot. Uh, according to that site, recording for Tales began just a couple of days after Yes Songs is released. And July saw One Live Badgers release, you know, Tony K, his band, uh, and Jethro Tull releasing a Passion Play, Ugh. which we've said before is like our favorite Jethro Tull album. Yeah. Uh, August, uh, Two Sides of Peter Banks was released. And October, Renaissance released Ashes Are Burning, Genesis released Selling England by the Pound, and The Who released Quadrophenia. And like we mentioned, uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer released Brain Salad Surgery uh, about this time. Uh, there was some debate recently about whether it was November 19th or December 7th. I think someone pointed out that if you look at the charting history, then December 7th is more likely. But either way, gotta got celebrate that. Um, and I was getting deja vu when typing out the context for all this, and I realized, oh, yeah, we did that 1973 albums episode recently. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I know that what I'm going to say is absolutely subjective, but I think most people around my age or older 
and people like Steve who are just into this classic music would agree that there will never, ever, ever freaking ever be another year that releases so much amazing music that when it was released, we also didn't know that any of it would become as legendary as it does. I mean, almost yeah. every or that album, any of that type of music could be possible. That too, yeah. Because that type of music can still come out, but it's still not like the first time and like the most surprising, like, wow, you can do that type mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, just there'll never be another year like that. I really don't think so. Right. So uh, when was your first time listening to Tales in Full? Do you remember like your first impression of it? Uh, yeah. Intended, I guess. So the when part was probably, I got Yes Songs and Close to the Edge first at the same time when Yes Songs came out. So I, I, I probably heard it in 74-ish yeah because it came out january 74 for the us yeah but uk came out a month earlier yeah i'm pretty sure i heard it that year it came out i have my original vinyl uh copy and my first impression and i still feel this when i put it on is i immediately felt like i had heard it before or to put it in a slightly different context and dynamic i felt like i had been there before and it was, it was moving and kind of freaky too. So in 74, I was 11. And to feel that something like that at that age was, it was even like borderline scary. It was kind of weird because I'm listening yeah. to this music and the melodies and everything just felt like I had been there. It was really weird. And I still get those feelings sometimes and it flashes me back to then when I listen to it. But, um, my first impression was just the artwork, the album cover design. It's a gatefold. All the lyrics are inside with all kinds of really neat pictures framed in, you know, by um, Roger's artwork. And uh, it's, it's a forever masterpiece. You know, it was mind blowing. And I have to say the ancient was a little scary to me. Yeah, I was going to talk about that, how... Um... Like it, it can definitely be scary to someone not used to that music. And, you know, as I was listening and again, an 11 year old, to, you know, yeah, yeah. And as I was listening to it again, uh, I was like, I can imagine like this being scary to someone. It kind of sounds somewhat close to King, some of King Crimson's music in that way. And as I was scrolling through the comments, uh, someone else brought that up. This is the closest yes has come to King Crimson is what they said. Which so is ironic being the first album after Bill left. That's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you mentioned the like the LP and like yeah. how it opens up and like the yeah. lyrics and whatnot. Uh, Gosh, yours looks so new. Mine's Yeah, it's from a few years ago. I, I remember um on the Amoeba music episode, like this was part of that hall. Um so yeah, cool. Just such yeah, a this neat... was 2016 it says so very cool um, and yeah you like get the backstory of like john reading the footnote and like that whole thing and yeah. it's just yeah um, it's still one of my favorite works by roger dean yeah um 
What about you? When was the first time? I don't remember. I think I got it for you on CD. Yeah, I remember, you know, during the era of the Rhino remasters, um, you know, so that would have been 2003, 2004. Um, I probably got it 04, 05, maybe even 06. Um, but I think the CD copy that you got me was one that was from the early 90s because I think we weren't sure if there was one that had like the bonus tracks and then later on we discovered that and so yeah um ended up getting that and that's the one that i got autographed by uh, steve howe on the topographic drama tour and john anderson on his 1000 hands tour so yeah um yeah some that's very cool. great memories with this and i love how the and i know people have different opinions of this but how the 2003 remaster reinstates the soothing like soft instrumental intro at the beginning of revealing signs of god before the chanting i think it's a nice way to set the stage and it's kind of reminiscent of the intro to the yes songs movie so i do like that but other people really like that the version you know the original version where it just goes into the chanting right yeah. away um any feelings on that i do like that extended intro i think it sets the mood and everything I, I i like it okay yeah which do you favor yeah the one with the instrumental intro yeah um so yeah we've got four sides the revealing science of god the remembering the ancient and ritual um and of course each around 20 minutes a piece so <laughs> yeah we, i mean who <laughs> yeah. does that a double album four songs each one taking up a side you know that's just crazy that they were able to even get away with that then you know it just shows how much has changed not just in the music industry but in in human behavior that that was actually you know a, a thing and looking at some of the other albums like passion play is a single album but it's all one continuous thing and just there'll never be another year of music like that ever 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 yeah and i see robin summerstrom commented i love the swelling waves on the remaster yeah yeah, yeah. i love that uh, in the beginning yeah uh so you brought up roger dean's art do you want to talk a bit more about that like yeah if you um, look closely at it like like right here so what side is that right there that little stack of rocks and the water if you look at it the drawings aren't actually very complicated but the realism is there and then you got the uh what looks like an aztec pyramid in the background and probably the moon um it's just it's a place you know it's a place and that's why i say I felt like I had been there when I saw the album, when I heard the music and the fish swimming through like this trail bubble of water or something. Just the whole concept is interesting. And I, one thing I've never heard is how they come up with the name and what, what the F word does that mean? Oh yeah. So I remember this. Um, and I was wondering if maybe it's a Mayan pyramid, but. Oh yeah. 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 I think you're right. It could be. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think you 
maybe saw this like a long time ago, but this documentary called Classic Artists, yes. Um, someone on there mentioned that John was thinking of titling it Tales from Tobo Graphic Oceans. So I think it would have been like with a B instead of a P and then someone told him, well, that almost sounds like topographic oceans. And then it's like, oh, let's go with that. So yeah, but again, yeah. like, what does it mean? You know, it's just <laughs> bizarre. Uh, yeah, not I, a I surprise. Think, <laughs> right. Yeah, I think out of the, you know, the stuff that I remember from, you know, Roger Dean's 1970s work, this one might possibly be my favorite of that era. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a lot of people's favorites, as we've talked about before on previous Roger Dean themed episodes. Like it ranks yeah. really high along with Relayer for people. Yeah, absolutely does. Yeah, it's I love it. I love the yeah. artwork. I love the music. And we'll get we'll dig more into the into the music, folks, um, as we go through this. Yeah, you got the fishes. It kind of looks like they're flying in the air, but I think it's supposed to be like there's like ocean and they're swimming in it. It's just, I, I love how fantastical it looks. Yeah. Uh, so this was Alan White's first time playing on a Yes Studio album. Uh, how would you say he fares here? Oh, I think it's amazing. And I mean, can you imagine going from what he was doing before? I think Joe Cocker was the most recent thing before he joined the band and he goes on that tour. He learns all the music in two weeks. Then they're going in the studio. Alan, we're going to record a double album, but four songs, each one's over tour. It's like, what? <laughs> um, he also plays some piano on the album, but I don't know exactly where. Um, that's one thing I never asked him. I should have asked him that. But I, I mean, it really showcases so many aspects of his playing. And he was just such a chameleon. And um, there's everything from bombastic and tribal stuff to the very, very soft, you know, interludes in, um, um, like, if you think of the section right before Rick's keyboard synthesizer solo in The Revealing Science of God, just barely tapping, you know, all, all the way to the stuff he's doing during the synthesizer solo. It's just amazing. Mm. It really shows him off. And um, what an interesting way to enter a band, you know? Yeah, like imagine being Alan and he's talking to a friend and he's like, oh, so here's the band I'm in. It's called Yes. Uh, check out this first studio <laughs> album I did with them. And they just <laughs> like, whoa, what, what is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So looking at more comments, uh, Doug Curran says in 2002, a Rolling Stone voted Tails cover the best album cover of all time. Really? And, I did not know that. Yeah. And it's Roger Dean's second favorite. Yes. Cover after Relayer, he's told me. Um, and Jay uh, Nens Nensel Nenskel, uh says that had to be culture shock for Alan going straight into Yes's more complex music from what he had been doing previously. Yeah, he had done some amazing music, but none of it was crazy or long epics or anything like that. Yeah, and while we're on the subject of Alan, um, over on the Alan White Facebook page, Gigi, uh, his wife, uh, made a nice post about 
Danny Lane, who passed away uh, earlier this week. And so we have a couple pictures of Danny with Alan. Yeah. And uh, what the a band we were in was called Balls. And Gigi said in her post, the two of them had a shared musical history, great humor, and many wonderful stories to tell. Two legends that had much in common, happy memories and lots of good laughs when they were reminiscing together. And after Alan's passing, Danny was one of the first to call to offer an ear and a consoling message. He was a very special friend and he and his wife Liz both showed me support through my grief in the most difficult of days. I'm blessed to have known him and we will all mourn the loss of his presence in our world. I sincerely hope he and Alan are continuing to share stories over a beer or two in the afterlife. So, yeah, you know, people who are gone and, you know, you just got to take the time to think about them and the works that they did and how they were as people, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so this was quite the debut for Alan in terms of studio stuff. Like we said, he'd been on Yes songs, but this was uh, his first time on a Yes studio album. And then he'd gone to do Relayer and the rest was history, basically. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, What does this album mean to you, Dad? Like, what do the lyrics and music make you think about? It's a, it's a journey. Um, it's a place, but it's also, um, speaks to like a, a way of life and behavior. And it's my stuck on an Island album. This is probably my all time. It is my all time favorite album. And I know that some of the criticism that it's taken even by Rick Wakeman has been and in his words, that there's a lot of padding. And to me, I just take it all at face value, and it's part of that journey. If you go on a trip, you know, like when we drove from uh, Bakersfield to San Francisco, it's easy to say that not all of the trip is uh, face against the window worthy. Although for me it is because I just like looking at stuff. But you know what I mean? For There's going to be some moments that some people won't like. Maybe some people like those interludes and they think that the synthesizer solo and the bombastic drumming and the revealing science of God isn't their thing. So that, that aside, and I don't, I never read into what people say when they criticize something because that's their feeling of it. It's not the way it is. It's the way it is for them. And the way this album is for me, um, those those parts are part of that bigger picture and the bigger story. And uh, I just love it. I still love it. I listened to the whole thing not long ago for the first time beginning to end in a very long time. Because um, I just I don't have a lot of time you know, to listen to music other than when we go on long road trips, which we haven't done. My wife, Enja, comes home today from Las Vegas where she's been for three weeks. And normally on a trip, we'd be listening to a lot of music together and stuff. So I was able to put it on and listen to it in like two evenings, I think. And it still freaking holds up. And it's still my favorite <laughs> album. It's amazing music. And they're also on point. You know, just the playing is so good. There's some things like, again, on the Revealing Science of God, Steve Howe's guitar solo 
and Rick Wakeman's Moog solo leaves you wanting more of that. They're just so good and they're both so short, you know. Um, there's other many, many, many other highlights um, throughout the whole album, but it's there's a little of everything in it, you know. Yeah, when when I listen to this album and think of, you know, what it all means in air quotes, you know, even if it's not the intention and I mean, at this point, who knows what the complete intention of it all is, you know, but the words and the music, they make me think of how we live in a world that's been around for so long and there are so many mysteries to it and you know like the footnote that john has talked about it talks about like uh medicine religion and you know different facets of i i guess you could say different facets of humanity you know there's yeah history to all of it and there's so many different civilizations and there's so many things that we do not know so to me listening to this album is a reminder of the mystery and majesty of the world and the universe and how we might not know absolutely everything and some of it can be a little overwhelming like thinking like wondering like how, how did this happen how did that happen but yeah it's a deep like album yeah but it's like it's such it, it's kind of sobering in a way you know it reminds you of you know you are this like comparatively in this huge ocean you are kind of this like small speck but you're able to just take it all in and there's just so much out there you know um i feel like earlier i thought of how to convey this like more more coherently but i i think you get like what i'm saying yeah yeah Uh, absolutely where does it rank in your um of what you like is it's it in defin- your top 20? It's definitely my favorite Yes album. Um, maybe it is my favorite album of all time, perhaps. I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, for many, many years before going to sleep, I've like to help me go to sleep. I would think about an album, try to like start from the beginning and before i reach the end of it i'm just already asleep and for some reason these last couple years i haven't been doing much of that anymore but when i do this is like my go-to like thinking about reviewing science of god and going through the different you know melodies and sections and whatnot and i i think that really shows like what it means to me you know yeah um, I see another comment. Ray Fern says, uh, topographic is a treasure, a Christmas present to me at 16. I'm now 56. It's perfectly imperfect, a joy to listen to. That's a pretty good Christmas present. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A lifetime of music. Yeah. How would you rank each side? Like, do you have a ranking for these four sides? Yeah, I could do that. Um, Side one in, in album terms, folks, um, side one, the revealing science of God is my favorite. Um, next is side four, uh, ritual. Um, and parts of that scared me as a kid also. 
<laughs> I was 11, um, and uh, you know that whole before the da -da 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 -da, you know that whole drum thing that that chi -chi 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 you know that whole thing's like ah what's going on here, um, <laughs> and and of the other two sides, um, I, I think they're equal to me, and I love 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 the acoustic sections and Steve's solo in, in both of those. Um, mm. The Leaves of Green and uh, that one section I always forget the name of. Um, do didn't 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 do, do, uh, do. The one that begins with Don the Clap, you know that one? Yeah, I like love that. I just love that section. And it's, it's neat when they reprise it and there's no drums and it's just the stringed instruments and the vocals. It's just beautiful. I love mm -hmm. that. I used to yeah. be able to fake my way pretty well through um yeah i used to be able to play that really well actually yeah on guitar yeah but i haven't haven't played it in a very very long time but the drumming um i i know the whole all four sides by heart and i can i'll be playing some of it later today on drum talk tv excerpts i pulled out some of my favorite um sections most of them if not all are instrumental, I don't remember. You sliced them out for me. Are there any vocal sections? I, that I think of it. I don't. There, it was a. It's been a busy week, but yeah. Um, if there are vocals, maybe it's a little bit, but yeah, mostly solo sections and stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think my ranking of the sides is similar. Like revealing signs of God is my favorite. Um, probably even my favorite Yes song. Um, and then ritual, you know, I love the, I especially love how in the live setting, they get really oh, like yeah. that chaotic feel with the drum section at the end. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I think I'd go with the ancient, like, I really like the juxtaposition between, you know, the weird, like heavy stuff and then going into like the, the very gentle leaves of green. Yeah. And then the remembering, like, I still love the remembering, but it's probably my least favorite. Like, I can, like, even though I love all of these songs, I can kind of see how the common fan wisdom, you know, that the ancient and the remembering, like, to some people feel like they meander in places, you know, like, especially the heavy part of the ancient and, um, and the remembering, like, maybe the slower chanting like i can see how for some people it can feel meandery and that's why generally like even yes themselves um would play revealing and ritual more than those other two you know yeah yeah they've never played all four have they other than the actual tour and right yeah in in full yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of i want to show um doug karen's uh ticket from yeah. November 23rd, 1973, yeah. two pounds. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, also that's the 10th anniversary of Doctor Who, funny enough. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Um, and he mentioned in the comment string, you guys were going back and forth, he mentioned that um, the tour started before the album, the album was delayed. And that's like the Tormato tour. I saw that before the album was actually out, or it was out right around there. It was... No, I think I had the album, 
but the show in Cleveland, one of the best bootlegs ever at the Richfield Coliseum, it hadn't come out yet. John mentions it'll be out in a week or whatever. Yeah, um, I remember seeing a post recently about, I think late October was the original intended release date for this, but I think there was a shortage of like a certain material that's vinyl for... since they needed so much. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I think that was happening that year. Um, Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is Robin saying? Robin says, oh, John the Cap. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I love that section. Just love it. So does yeah. Robin. Just love that. Yeah. So uh, there's been a lot of discussion about this album recently. And Yes Music Podcasts have been doing a, a series <laughs> called um, uh, Tales from Topographic Ocean's Listening Guide. Um which might be a book if I remember correctly. It's going to be a book. So, um, one of the things they've talked about is like whether this could have been condensed as one album. So, my question to you is if that were a choice, like how do you think it ideally, in your opinion, it could have worked as one album or could it have been released as two separate albums? Like, how that's do you think a, either of those possibilities? Yeah, that's work? a great contemplative question. And the first thing I thought of was, huh, I think I'd like to hear a one album version of all the more active, aggressive parts mm. and another version of all the softer, mellow parts and see okay. what that's like. I think that would be interesting. Um, could the whole thing have been distilled down to one album? Of course, but it it would. I'm not saying it would be better or worse because that's subjective, and I haven't heard it yet. Right, but like it, we can't it, really know that reality. Yeah, but but the point is, it wouldn't be what it is, and it is yeah. what it is because of how it was put out, and and all of that. You know, take it or leave it as it is, with you know, those parts that some people say are meandering or extra padding or whatever, you know, um, it'd be interesting to single out some things as shorter individual songs like Don the Cap, Leaves of Green, you know, all these little sections um, would be interesting. Yeah, because I, I think something that probably a lot of people you know, because revealing and ritual are the favorites, you know, some say, oh, okay, those could have been just one album. Um, and it's in my head, it's tough to make the case of the remembering and the ancient being one album. Cause I kind of feel like you need the revealing on one and ritual on the other to keep people's attention in a way, like have those be the first sides on these different ones. But, mm. um, yeah, and yeah, it's just interesting to think about. But you mentioned the possibility of, you know, could the, these have had like smaller tracks? Like what if each side had been, you know, like in the track list? What if instead of these four 20-minute songs, they're listed as like, you know, each epic is actually a few different songs? Um, what do you think of that sort of idea? Yeah, that, that could probably be crafted and work. One thing I wanted to ask the audience is, especially if you don't live in the US, 
we are in the U.S., if you didn't know that. Did you ever hear it on the radio? And way mm. back when I was uh, like 17, 18, 19, right around there. So what year would that have been? Help me. My math brain has been uh, worn out. When you were week. 17, that would have been 70, 1980. 19, okay. So right around then, there was a radio station all the way to the right on the FM dial called K-West, K-W-S-T FM in Los Angeles. And they would pretty frequently play the revealing science of God. Oh, wow. Yeah. And also the remembering, I would hear them play from time to time, believe it or not. And um, so I'm curious if, if in other countries, um, if anybody ever heard it on the radio back then, if anyone wants to chime in with that. Mm, um, yeah. Oh, thank you, Doug. I've always wondered this. Doug says, Alan played piano on Ritual for the Hold Me My Love bridge. Uh, he told me Rick was next door with Black Sabbath in the building. Oh, interesting. And we know that he played <laughs> keyboards with Black Sabbath on um, uh, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, I think it was. I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm going to look that up real yeah. quick. But yeah, the idea of like each side being a few tracks, I think could work. Because even in like, you know, like the remembering, you have a download clap section and then the relayer, like those sound like they could be different yeah. songs. But I do think that if these were like smaller tracks, you might get people saying, like, imagine if the, and through the rhythm, like, if that part was just oh, that's considered one track, like, you might get some people saying, eh, this is too soft uh, of a track, but Maybe. instead of, like, being part of this larger whole, and it just, yeah. the juxtaposition, I think, makes it stand out even more, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Rick was on Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Um yeah, September 73 is when it was recorded. Yeah, interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, Doug says Black <laughs> Sabbath paid Rick in beer for his session. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much. Like, how do you right. charge? How do you figure that? That's funny. Yeah. Um, and that's um, a beautiful section that Alan's playing. I didn't know that's what it was. All these years I've wondered in always like forgot to ask him. I think the only thing I ever asked him in an interview about um, Tales, and I remember it was at the 20, probably 16 NAMM show, 2017, something yeah, like that. Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, because he was at many, you know, I interviewed him at several, but the first or second time I asked him, what is the instrument that's being played along with the mallet instrument during that it's like very clicky and when i play with my drumsticks on the side of my timpani drums it sounds just like that i asked him and it's the only thing i've ever asked him like on the show or just personally that i didn't get a straight answer and he said trade secret and in my mind i thought okay he doesn't remember <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh, Doug says 50 pounds worth of beer rather than the cash. Okay. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So uh, did you want to talk about live versions? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I love so... the live versions. When they brought back the Revealing Science of God on the Open Your Eyes tour, 
that was yeah. mind and the keys blowing. to ascension shows before then yeah 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 that that was mind-blowing absolutely um yeah like you can hear the audience on those recordings like on the open your eyes tour for example when the chanting starts they just go wild because they're like oh it's this song yeah yeah so <laughs> unexpected yeah as unexpected as anything could have been um i love it live um the soft parts the delicate parts hold up so well live and the the solos and just the gregarious parts are just so neat to actually see them play it you know honestly no matter who's playing it it's just so neat to see that music performed live and i love yeah. playing that stuff i can't wait to play it later yeah and on the 2002 tour um they added this little well maybe it was just for the camden show you know the video that's on youtube like at the beginning they have like this little prelude to it where it has the like doo -doo -doo -doo, like a kind of rick noodling about on the keyboard before the chanting starts so i, I think that's that. really cool after listen um, to that i don't remember yeah and you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the tales tour in a moment but um i remember on the topographic drama tour you know back in 2016 i was really into how they were playing revealing and leaves of green and ritual and i was singing along to them um it was just such an amazing experience and seeing the drumming uh especially toward the end of ritual you know when you see that on you know qpr and symphonic live and songs from songas as such a highlight and you see yeah. everyone like into that on ritual and i just love it yeah Chris Squire on the timpani drums. Yeah. That was just so cool. Yeah. So on the Tales tour, they were mad enough to play all four of these sides to the audience yeah. and Close to the Edge and Heart of the Sunrise and Roundabout or whatever it was. It's yeah. just like if I could go back in time and experience one Yes concert, you know, the Union tour is so tempting, but there's also like so much pro shot and audience shot video of that whereas with tales you only get like rare snippets of footage on youtube and it's yeah. not even full performance so i think that would be the tour i would try to see if i could go back in time as long as like i don't cause any ripple effects in the timeline or whatever knowing you know? you, you would <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah <laughs> Yeah, and we found a couple pics uh, from the tour. One of them is a stage shot from Glasgow, like the day before the album came again. out. Yeah, and the other is from Albuquerque, um, in early '74. It's got that one's like the more orangey one. Yeah. you see a bit more of the stage props and whatnot. Um, like talk about a like that's such an amazing time for yes fans well if you appreciate the album i guess you know yeah. if you're not into tales you might be like oh what, what's all this noise i would have <laughs> i would have <laughs> that that is my one concert i would love to have seen of if i had to just pick one i agree it, it would be that i saw led zeppelin so that's you know off the bucket list but this this is something that would just be amazing and it should be nice if some really great video 
surfaced one day. Like, how do you put something like that out? Okay, you just did Yes songs and you filmed it. How do you put something like this out with stage props and everything and not, how does that not exist somewhere? So, it absolutely must, I insist. So I remember reading this interview from the 90s. Um, it might've been with Alan and he mentioned how there was someone from Canada who filmed one of the shows, that but then like, they lost touch or something. So I don't know like what the story is there, but uh, if you're around and you have that and you're listening, like Get it if out you have there. a full show, like, you know, let yes management know or whatever, you know, yeah. it's, um, there's gotta be real video of it. There's gotta be. Yeah. But, um, also on the classic tales of yes tour they did the medley which all together was 20 minutes and you know i've talked extensively about it when i did my review of that show i went to and i do like it but i think it the transitions could have been smoothed out a bit and maybe a couple bits could have been substituted for other bits like people can check out that episode where i get into the nitty-gritty of that but um yeah that reminds me there's also this announcement about the uh upcoming you know yes made this announcement of the european uh classic tales of yes tour so people can go to yesworld.com live and see the dates there starting april 30th in portugal and it looks like it goes up to june 4th at royal albert hall in london so very curious to see uh, how similar the set list might be as it was here. Maybe they'll swap out a thing or two. So I'm very curious to see how that yeah. turns out. Um, so what would you say is the legacy of Tales from Topographic Oceans, Dad? It might be one of the biggest yes arguments amongst fans. <laughs> You know, I think Yeah, I've seen I, some of that recently. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think there's many people in the middle. I think either they absolutely love it or just can't relate. It's just it's just <laughs> too much for their brain or something, you know. Mm. That's one of them. Um I I do think it's you know, for a band that put out the most if not the first really iconic um, progressive rock album that really set the bar with Close to the Edge as a follow-up. This is just amazing. It really is, especially with a new drummer and, you know, all of that. Um, what about you? I mean, I, I think it's, you can't discount it, even if you right. don't like it, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, Close to the Edge was a more universally loved prog right. masterpiece. Like it, it, more people agree on that one. It's this more one, digestible for one thing. Yeah. Not just cause it's shorter, but it's got the one long side piece and then the two others, but somehow it's just much more digestible. Yeah. Whereas tails, it kind of feels like, okay, this is more, it feels like, you have to be like a much, I guess, deeper yes fan. You know, I, I don't mean to make it sound like a tiered system, but right. from what I see, it feels like 
lots of, there are lots of yes fans who love it um outside of the yes fear there might be some prog fans like general prog fans who really enjoy others who are like it's okay you know type thing um like it feels like they went really out there with this one and then after this they got a bit more grounded with relayer which is kind of weird to say given that relayer is relayer you know yeah but, it's interesting yeah. what robin is saying Robin says, I think when you interviewed Bill Bruford on this channel, he said he haven't heard this album and you asked, haven't played it, but he said, haven't heard it. Mm. Okay. I don't remember that. I have to watch yeah, that again. I he definitely said that it, it might've been a different podcast where he said he hadn't heard it. Um, but yeah, I do remember seeing... Uh, a clip of that it might not have been on our show but oh um but yeah that was a fun interview with him we did a while yeah. back people should check that out if they haven't was already. that a year ago april already yeah a, yeah more than a year Jeez. and a half ago Jeez. <laughs> that's crazy i i have such time warp i can't you know sometimes i'll ask steve hey so when did we have steve hackett on like six months ago and he's well, yeah, like a year, nah, ago. That was a year ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah it kind of I, i've also seen like once in a while i see this like a little debate of like was it really that divisive back then or is that something that kind of evolved over time you know like in retrospect that's a good so. question um doug if you're still watching i'd love for you to chime in on that i i don't know how old you are i think you're probably older than me guessing on some things I've read <laughs> or maybe um, around the same age. Now I, I think Doug's older. Sure. So if you could chime into that, if you remember, cause again, I was 11 when it came out and I don't, you mm -hmm. know, there wasn't the internet. So, you know, you didn't, you also weren't exposed to as many conversations, only your people, you knew maybe what right. the critics wrote, but F that, you know, <laughs> I, I'm curious if you and fellow Yes fans, Doug, agreed. And Robin, anybody else for that matter, if you were around when it came out, because I just I have no context of that at all. I just remember getting it and loving it ever since. Interestingly, though, it's not something I could listen to every day. Right. It's, yeah, because I feel like and, and I don't I, wait, would I wear... don't just mean for the sake of time. You know, if time wasn't an issue, I still wouldn't put it on every day. It's like, okay, I got to, okay, let me, okay, here we go. We're going on this trip, you know, because it really is a journey. Yeah. I mean, I kind of had that experience uh, today. Like, I was like, okay, going to listen to this again. And then I was like, am I going to have the energy to listen to basically the same music, but from one of the live shows that you can, the audio you can find on YouTube. And I was like, okay, I do have the energy for this so it's like you really got to like feel it out whether yeah. you're able to take the journey and you know sometimes you have to space it out and sometimes they're able to like power through like making the time for it you know but each time i really love the journey you know yeah now i'm even more excited about playing it later so doug you are just a little older than me doug's 65 i'm leaning towards 61. okay um yeah um, um, for those of you who don't know, I mentioned earlier at 4.30 Pacific today, I'm playing, is it 4.30 Pacific? Yeah. Okay. What time do I have on my calendar? Yeah, okay. 4.30 Pacific. I'm playing excerpts of Tales. I've 
selected certain little sections and Steve sliced them out for me. Um, I still have to download them on that thing. Um, otherwise, right. what would I do? Huh? Yeah. Because I'm so, having an issue with this right now. I don't know what's up, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Hopefully it'll, it'll work. Yeah. So before we um, read fan comments, uh, let's show like some of the Tales 50 merch that's yeah. available on the Yes World store. So there's um, that, which is cool. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I'm just looking at the thing. So what what's the first thing you're showing? Is that the... It's the record. Oops. Yeah, so that's a personalized uh, 50th anniversary RIAA record. Um, that's $350 US uh, on our end, at least. Um, and then we got the... The shirt. Yeah, the, the all-over print button-up. Uh, for the US, that's $110. How would you uh, explain if someone saw you at the mall wearing this and said, wow, that, that's neat. What is that? Like, where do you begin? Well, I would you know, say yes, and then confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, where where would you begin to even explain it? <laughs> and then we've got the hoodies. Yeah, so the Navy zip-up hoodies, uh, $75 US. And then we got the ornament. Uh, it's an acrylic ornament. That's $20. Uh, and then the incense holder, which is $25. Um, I saw Nathan Tyler Lowry say in air quotes, uh, Tales from Topographic Oceans is a Christmas album. <laughs> well, what's your stance on that, Dad? Say that again? I was reading Doug's comment. I'm sorry. Say that again. Uh, Nathan said Tales from Topographic Oceans is a Christmas album. But like in air quotes, <laughs> like he was saying, like, <laughs> imagine someone saying that. Yeah, interesting. I don't know what to do with that. But Doug says, uh, you know, going back to my question, the reviews were mixed. Even their biggest supporter, Chris Welch, gave the album and the Rainbow Gigs a thumbs down as it, mm. too, um, out, out there overall, for the most part, um, that really hurt John and Steve. That's interesting. Mm. I wonder if Chris feels the same way. Because, you know, sometimes as we get older, our tastes change or evolve a bit. And I wonder if he has a different appreciation for it now or any appreciation at all for that mm. yeah interesting. interesting thanks doug yeah so reviews were mixed around then yeah um okay so speaking of doug uh his comment um from earlier was a truly progressive album it blew my mind when i bought it at the time and first played it here's my original u.s album um signed in the 70s by that lineup and artist roger dean roger last um and he also showed the ticket for the show he went to. Um, so, yeah, it's, thanks for your comments, Doug. Yeah, and I'm going to change my glasses just because it'll be easier for me to read. Those are progressives. These are reading glasses. Uh, Nick Kokoshis, okay. I hope I'm pronouncing that somewhat right, at least the Nick part. Uh, Tales from Topographic Oceans is not only my favorite Yes album, it's my favorite album of all time. Being a Beatles fanatic in grade school, I remember like it was yesterday when my mom came home with three stereos and three copies of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Cub Band for each of the three kids still at home. I'm not sure how she knew this was a watershed moment in popular music, but she did. I was 10 years old 
and about to have my consciousness expanded to embrace a whole new meaning for album cover art and a whole new opening for conceptual music that eschewed traditional pop song lyrics. This mini renaissance, he says in quotes, as George Harrison called it, lasted for the next 10 years. And this is where Yes stepped in. Most of the band members stepped out of psychedelic bands and into Yes. Yes, who in their first three albums would find themselves at the forefront of the most risk-taking pop musical genre yet, originally called classic rock, later dubbed progressive rock. Tales from Topographic Oceans, Tales from Topographic Oceans represents the boldest experiment of this genre in its classic era, an album that stretched every conceivable barrier of the style while still scoring gold record awards. And that is amazing if you think about that. Mm -hmm. um, and spending six weeks in the U.S. top 10 charts amidst what was mostly singer-songwriter albums. As Steve Howe said, bravo, the 70s. But wait, there's more. Nick goes on to say, and say what you will about the lyrics, but the style points back to the free-flowing metaphysical obscurity of the 1950s beat writers and forward toward what progressive rock would achieve throughout the 70s before the shift back to the conventional music styles. I got a cat sneaking up on me. Sorry, that scared me. The lyrics, however, <laughs> oblique, are a direct reflection of what was happening in the spiritual wing of the counterculture. A 50th anniversary may just be a blip in the ocean, a topographic one, of <laughs> eternity, but for a work of popular music is still uh, to still be considered this brilliant and important after all this time and still a great achievement. But Nick, how do you feel about the album? <laughs> no, Nick, thank you. That that took, I, I appreciate you dumping out like that. I'm sure you do too, Steve. That That's a great take, uh, the way you related. Um, you know, the obscurity of the lyrics and just the crossovers there. Um, very interesting. And yeah. Robin, who's watching. Yeah. Also, uh, I just saw Doug's comment that Nick has a Facebook group uh, called Tales from Topographic Oceans Studio and Live Performance Discussion Group. So people can check oh, that wow. out. Oh, wow. I want to see, I want to be a fly on the wall of a room of arguments. Going on. <laughs> um but yeah robert summerstrom says for robin. me that this album is like a religious experience you said it, robert it's robin no i said robin oh okay sorry it says for me this album is like a religious experience it does not matter if the lyrics have a meaning or not one thing i have thought about is if some parts could have been more popular if they had been taken out of this big concept album context for example my favorite part is don the clap and close your eyes from the remembering this is a stunning folk rock melody but seems a little forgotten among prog rock fans yeah Good i can point. totally see that yeah totally agree totally agree yeah, yeah. pablo rai i hope i'm pronouncing that right uh, truly a masterpiece i've been listening to this album for more than 45 years now and i'm still discovering new details every time i listen to it I agree, just like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, on the thousand and second time you'll notice something that you didn't hear or see before. This is that type of album. It depends on, I think, what you focus on, you know? Yeah. Um, so next is Scott Laid, who says, my all-time favorite album. With three uh, exclamation points. 
Yeah, that, that's even more than two exclamation points. <laughs> uh, Craig Jones says it's simply my favorite Yes release, even though I heard such favored titles as the Yes album, Relayer, Close to the Edge, and Fragile First. Yeah, and this last one is a really interesting story. Uh, Liz O'Brien, is that Rockford? Rochford? Rochford. Yeah. Um, says, I quit my job as an album reviewer over the shame I felt for being one of them, all over their humiliatingly ignorant treatment of this epic masterpiece. Many of the first Renaissance artists in their time must have experienced similar backlash to the beauty of their work. The greater the genius, the fiercer the onslaught. Such yeah. an interesting take. Thank you, Liz. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a reminder of how some works of art take a while to be appreciated by some people, you know, and, but and will never be appreciated by some people. Yeah, like there are some people who like certain works of art, it'll never resonate for them. And that's fine. People have different tastes. But, yeah. you know, um, sometimes it'll resonate for some right away, some for later and some for never. And that's just the nature of art. And I'm really glad that we have like this particular piece of art that we were able to exist at the same time we could yeah. be aware of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. So, and any other thoughts before we close out? No, just that um, I'm, I'm, my brain is on getting ready for the the live later at 4.30 okay, on yeah. Jump Talk TV, which will simulcast on here also. So I'm hoping uh, folks will join us there. Join me there. Steve will be working the controls in the background. And I'll be at my big blue drum kit uh, seeing how, how I do. Uh, it's a bootleg version and um the audio's uh, and my hearings uh, so we'll see how it goes I, yeah i'm going to do a couple run-throughs first but first i gotta download everything to my invisible laptop over here yeah so um how about you? tune in on the drum talk tv facebook page at 4 30 pacific us time and we'll be back on Yes Shift for an end of year holiday thing on December 13th at 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll talk about the Jack Frost movie that Trevor Rabin was part of and maybe a couple other holiday things and also like a little end of year sort of recap. Yeah, recap of um, some of the like Yes related releases and events yeah. this year so it'll be a fun time uh closing out yeah, the year absolutely. before taking a little break and then coming back in january yep and if you have ideas suggestions questions uh you can write us at yesshiftpodcast at gmail.com you can listen to us at anchor.fm slash yesshift and then visually we are live on facebook.com slash yesshift and on youtube it gets archived at youtube.com slash at yes shift and thank you for following what we do and hopefully we'll see you all on drum talk tv uh in a couple hours from the time we're ending this that's at 4 30 pacific today i'll play some of this and some of brain salad surgery some live carnival nine stuff to celebrate 50 years of that and as stephen pointed out at the beginning of the broadcast it's also the seventh anniversary of greg lake's passing so a great way to honor him and keith and uh, yeah, thanks everybody. Yeah, thanks everyone.